Well, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, open it with me, please, to the book of Luke, where there's a written copy or an electronic copy, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. We're going to look at two passages, one in chapter 6 and one in chapter 4. But before we get to that, I thought I'd let you Clemson fans celebrate a little bit this morning. Yeah. And uh, even, even the Gamecock fans, we're Carolinians, you can rejoice in that too. It's good for our state, right? Or do I start meddling a little bit? You know, Je- listen, Jesus is all about reconciliation. But uh, I've been seeing a lot of orange this week. Have y'all noticed that? See some this morning. In fact, earlier this week, someone brought to the office a big bottle of orange crush for us to drink. And... Um, uh, so as most of you know, the uh, the game Monday night was played out in San Jose, California, next door to San Francisco there on the bay. And about midnight after the game was over, I got a text message from Roger Trapman. He and Kathy had gone to the game. And uh, you have to know Roger. He's got this really great dry sense of humor. And so Roger sends me this text, and all it says is sitting on the dock of the bay watching the tide roll away. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> that's that's classic Roger, if you know him. And um, but there's been a lot of stories this week, and you know, in the media, whether whether broadcast or written media, social media, and, and many of them have been very positive, uh, even for the faith, you know, for, for Christ, because of Dabo and Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, being followers of Christ and being very clear about that. But uh, one of my favorite quotes that's been making the rounds this week on Twitter actually comes from a little over two years ago when Dabo was uh, speaking to, to a camp of high school football players. And one thing he said at that camp was champions are made when the stands are empty. Now think about that a minute. Champions are made when the stands are empty because there were about 70,000 people in the stadium watching the game that night, another 25 million or so watching on television on the various networks. But champions are made not when the stands are full, rather when they're empty. And and, uh, practically every major program, even high school programs, I mean, they don't start practicing when the games start. I mean, uh, winter workouts. It's what happens in the weight room in January. It's what happens in the weight room and when you're doing conditioning, running, running skills and so on in the summer when it's 90 or 100 degrees outside. It's what you do in the film room. It's what you even do in the classroom so you can stay eligible and be able to play. It doesn't happen when you're in the stadium and the game's taking place and the crowd's cheering. It happens before. With all the preparation. And, you know, players will often talk, whether it's high school level, college level, or the pros. You'll often hear them talking about the grind. The grind that the average person never sees that makes the difference between success and failure. Here's what I want you to get. The same thing is true in life, not just sports. If you really want to be the best you in this new year, you can't wait until the day you want to be the best you comes. You have to prepare for that day. 
You want to be the best in your career. You want to be the best you can be in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And spiritually, there is the grind. There is the preparation. There is the before that has to take place. If when the moment, when the opportunity, when the stands are full, if when that moment comes, if you want to succeed, you better have done the work before that moment comes. This sermon series, New Year, New Me, we have all these dreams. Well, if there are certain things you want when December of 2019 rolls around, you can't wait until December to start working on it. Right? There's a journey. You want things to be different? There's a journey. There's a grind to it. When the opportunity knocks, you need to already be prepared. On the flip side, when the challenges come, you need to already be strong. I say it over and over around here. Today shapes what? Tomorrow. You want your tomorrow to be different, a new year, a new me? You want your tomorrow to be different? Then something needs to be done today. So this morning I want to show us from the Gospel of Luke two things that Jesus said and did that can help us. And the first thing is this. I I want to show us why we need to prepare, why we need to do the preparation before the stadium is full, and then secondly, how to prepare the right way. And you can apply this principle to every area of life. I want you to also think about it in terms of your spiritual life, your walk with Jesus Christ. Let's begin with why we need to prepare in life for the year that is ahead and beyond. Luke chapter 6 Jesus is teaching, and in verse 46, he says, Why do you call me Lord? Okay? Why why do you call me Lord? Lord! And then don't do what I say. Don't obey what I tell you. He said, Everyone who comes to me, in verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words, hears what I say, And by the way, brothers and sisters, where do we hear what Jesus says? It's the Gospels, Scripture. So everyone who comes to me and hears what I say and acts on them, it's not enough to hear, we have to do something with it, right? It's not enough to say, well, I won't, there's some action involved. So Jesus says, everybody who comes to me, hears what I say and then does it, obeys it, acts on it, I'll show you. Let me, let me describe for you what that person is like. Verse 48, he says, He's like a man who is building a house, who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. Now, when I was young, we lived in my grandfather's old farmhouse. Didn't have foundations the way we do today where you dig the trench all the way around, pour thick concrete, and then build up from there. Every now and then under that house were stacks of rock. Have you seen old houses like that? And it was pretty solid. But there were some rooms in the house you could place a ball on this end of the room and it'd end up on that end of the room. You know what I mean? And over time, some of those who are built on foundations that aren't solid and level and strong, they not only lean a little bit, they start cracking. And some even fall down. So Jesus says the person who 
who comes to me and hears what I say and then does what I say. He acts on it. He's like a guy who doesn't build his house just on a pile of you know, rocks stacked on top of one another. He digs the trench and he pours a deep foundation, a solid foundation. And so when the flood comes and the torrent burst against that house, couldn't shake it because it had been built well. And he's talking about your life. He says, you want, you want a life? You want the future? You want 2019 to be solid when, when the storms come? Then you better dig a good trench and pour a good foundation today. Don't wait for the flood. It's too late. Don't wait for the wind. It's too late. Verse 49, he said, now the other, the other kind of person, he hears me. He knows what I say goes to Sunday school, goes to church, hears the Word of God, maybe once in a while reads a little bit of it, but does not act on it, does not obey it, does not apply it. He's, he's like the person who builds his house with no foundation. And so when the torrent, when the flood comes, immediately what does it do? It collapses and, and the ruin of that house was great. Now you can take that principle and apply it to anything in life. You want a great job, go for an interview, but you've done no preparation, no experience, no education, no training. But I should get it because I want it. <laughs> Life doesn't work that way, does it? It takes preparation. Laziness is a formula for failure. Preparation is a formula for success in any endeavor in life. It's also true in your spiritual life. Some people face a, a crisis. A crisis can come for a lot of different reasons, and they're not ready. They're not ready. And so the crisis defeats them, destroys them. They don't stand firm. They don't stand strong because they weren't prepared. Um, last January, okay, a year ago, 2018, on the first day of winter workouts, look at this slide. That's what was on the, uh, the Clemson uh, uh, Twitter page. Can you read that? Day one, winter workouts, got to go get it. The only reason they got it this, this January was because they started working hard for it last January. Jesus said, you got to lay a foundation. If you don't, you can't achieve anything significant. You want to be a strong man of God? You want to be a strong woman of God? Lay a foundation. doesn't happen because you lay in bed and, oh, I want to be. It's a foundation that has to be dug and poured. Next slide shows you a typical summer workout schedule, not only for Clemson, but for a typical college football program. Get up at 5.30 when other students are still in bed, go to breakfast, do workouts, then 9 o'clock, go to summer classes, and then 2.30, come back and hit it all over again on workouts. In fact, in the summer, the players who are really great will get up before 5.30 and go out to certain places and run on their own before they join with the team activities. What's that called? When, when, when it's July and it's hot down here in South Carolina, what's that called? 
preparation. Jesus said, dig the ditch, pour the concrete, build a foundation, and some of us are too lazy to do that, and then we wonder why life is like it is. Why nothing ever changes. Why am I not growing spiritually? Kirk Cousins, quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL. It's interesting. I've never heard of anybody else doing it exactly this way. Outside his house, at his front door, okay, he has a jar, and it's filled with little stones, little pebbles. He's 30 years old right now, and he doesn't know how long he will live, but he just set a plan, all right, if I live to be 90, okay, so another 60, a little less than 60 years. He's got one stone in that jar for each month of the next 60 years. And at the first of each month, he walks outside his house there at the front door, reaches in that jar, takes out one stone, puts it in his pocket, and reminds himself, he will say to himself, when this month is over, I'm going to throw that stone away, and I'll never be able to have this month again. And it's a visible, tangible reminder that life keeps marching on. You know where he got the idea? He was in a Bible study. He was in a Bible study. And they were looking at the passage in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, that says, teach us to number our days so that we might present to you, to God, a heart of wisdom. And he said to himself, if I'm going to be wise in life and make good decisions and make preparation for the future, then I need to do something that helps me remember I only have so many days. And so he came up with that jar of stones. And our preschool ministry, Holly and them, give a jar of marbles to young parents when they have a baby. It's a similar idea. Because those parents only have so many months and so many years to shape those children. You only have so many months, so many years, so many days to live and become. What are you doing with your days? Jesus said, new me, new year, then what am I doing today so that when I get to January 2020, these things that God's speaking to my heart about are different. And this is why we need to prepare. Now, let me change gears and talk a little bit about how to prepare the right way. Okay? How to prepare the right way. So Luke chapter 4, if you're in your Bible, just go back a few pages. Luke chapter 4. It's interesting. Interesting story, the three temptations of Jesus. Because in this story, Jesus faced both an opportunity and a challenge. And he was successful when it came. We can learn from his success how we can be successful. And in his behavior, we gain an important insight into how Jesus prepared for this moment when Satan would challenge him. And it can help you and me know how to prepare for things in life, spiritually and otherwise. So you have your Bible? Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, 
returned from the Jordan. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist and was led around by the Spirit into the wilderness. So Jesus is not aimlessly wandering. He's following the leadership of the Holy Spirit for 40 days, 40 days out in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. Matthew says being tempted by the tempter. Well, that's what the devil does. He tempts us, right? Now, how many of you have ever thought, if I'm in the will of God, if I'm filled with the Spirit of God, I'll never face temptation, I'll never face challenges, I'll never face hardships, problems. You, you hear stuff like that on TV every now and then, don't you? You just get it right with Jesus and everything will be smooth. No, no, no. Jesus is led by the Spirit. And, and in, the middle, listen, in the middle of these 40 days being led by the Spirit, there comes not only an opportunity but a significant challenge. Satan tempts him during those 40 days out in the wilderness. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. He was fasting. Matthew spells it out that he was fasting. So 40 days of fasting in the wilderness along with the Father, and in the midst of that spiritual moment, he's just been baptized, and now he's spending 40 days with God the Father, praying, fasting, preparing for his public ministry, and it's in the midst of that mountaintop, that spiritual high, that Satan comes after him. There's a lesson there for us, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> and the devil in verse 3 said to him, if. By the way, do you know that his favorite tactic to defeat us is make us start asking questions? Because he, once he can frame in your mind the question, he's got you. Because he's controlling the conversation. If you are the Son of God, show me, prove it. Jesus faced that temptation during his whole ministry. Everybody's saying, show us a sign and we'll believe. If, do this. If you're the Son of God, tell this stone, command this stone to become bread. Well, he was hungry. The temptation was very real and he could have done it. But Jesus answered in verse 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. He said there are some things that are more important than physical bread. Matthew adds that he said man shall not live on bread alone, but what? On every word that proceeds or comes out of the mouth of God. That the, the spiritual food is more important than the physical food. That the word of God is more important than a loaf of bread. Then there's a second temptation. Matthew and Luke list them in different order. That's okay. Verse 5, he led Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Takes him up to a mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And, and I think, not just the kingdoms of that day, Rome, I think they're looking throughout history. They're, they're looking back to the, to, the, to the empire of Alexander and, and the Greeks. To, to the empires of, of Egypt. Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, Cyrus and Persia, and into the future, the, the, the colonial empire of the British, and the modern, modern world, America, and Satan. 
says to Jesus after showing them all of that because it's interesting in verse 5 shows them the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time in a moment of time here's history and it's power the devil said to him in verse 6 I will give you all this domain and its glory for it has been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I wish by the way I wish I had time to preach that verse Satan's the prince of the power of the air. In Scripture, he's sometimes referred to as the God of this age. You think Satan can't give you what he knows will mess you up? Sometimes the very thing we want is not what we really want because we've not been alone with God to look deep enough to know what we really want. And so we just want the surface stuff, and the surface stuff we want often messes us up. Dig deep, brothers and sisters. And that takes some solitude with God. You hear his voice speaking to those deep, deep places of your heart and soul. During Jesus' ministry, Wasn't it true that practically everybody wanted him to deliver Israel from Roman oppression and create an earthly kingdom? Satan's giving him the same temptation he faced throughout his life. Jesus responded responded in verse 8, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He said, said, we're not supposed to sell our soul for anything except Jesus. Then there's the third temptation in verse 9. He leads Jesus to Jerusalem, takes him into the temple area, stands on the pinnacle, tallest part of the temple, and says, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. And he quotes the Old Testament. It is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you shall not strike your foot against a stone. He said, the Scripture said that they'll catch you. And everybody will see the angels catching you and, and, and that will be the proof that you're the Son of God. There's a shortcut. You, you can do this, Jesus. You don't have to really suffer. There's, there's an easier way, Jesus. There's, a, there's, a, there's, an easy, there's an easy way out, Jesus. You don't have to go to the cross. I can serve Jesus, but not, don't, don't sacrifice. And again in verse 12, Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then for a season in verse 13, Satan stopped tempting him until another opportune time. By the way, you know you're not going to be without temptation until you're in heaven, don't you? Now it's interesting. Jesus, can, can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus had listened to Satan and given into one of those temptations, hmm? he would have become a sinner. Unable to make atonement for our sin on the cross. And I would have been damned. You would have been damned. 
there would have been no salvation. Aren't you glad Jesus was strong? How did Jesus deal with a crisis? How did he handle the challenge? How did he seize the moment for the glory of God? Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. How did Jesus do it? Each temptation, what did he do? Satan said, if. And Jesus said, yeah, but God says. Yeah, but the Word says. Yeah, but Scripture says. If Jesus had a reliance on the Father and a reliance on the Father's Word, if he had a reliance on Almighty Father and a reliance on Holy Scripture, what makes you think that you can be successful without doing it the same way? Now let me ask you, when Jesus faced the temptations, did he, did he, whip, did, did he go over here to a big old chest and pull out some ancient scrolls and unroll them and start doing a search trying to find a Bible verse that would fit that situation? How many times have we done that? The Word was already in Him. Was it not? The psalmist and Proverbs talk about it a lot. Your Word I have hid in my heart that I may not, what, church? Sin against God. Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, he said the word of God is so sweet that he that I that I eat it. It's like honey. Jesus prepared for this moment. Now, here, here, here he is. He's on this spiritual mountaintop. He's been baptized. The Father has publicly said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He knows what's ahead of him. He's preparing for the ministry by having a spiritual retreat of 40 days in the wilderness with the Father in fasting and prayer. And in the midst of that, Satan comes and says, I'm going to challenge you, boy. See, you, you never know when the challenge is going to come. All right? None of us know what's ahead in 2019. We don't know when the challenge is going to come. Many of us in this room have had the experience of waking up one day and getting news that changed everything for us just in that one moment. We don't ever know when the challenge is going to come. But when the challenge came to Jesus, he was prepared. Why? Because he was grounded in Scripture. Scripture. He was grounded in Scripture. He was grounded in Scripture. He was grounded in Scripture. Can you say that with me, church? Grounded in Scripture. Grounded in Scripture. Grounded in Scripture. Grounded in Scripture. Are you? I don't believe you can be prepared for the life God has for you if you're not grounding yourself in the Scripture of Jesus Christ. Remember, we started, Jesus said, why, why do you call me Lord and then not do what I say? I had to know what he says to do what he says. 
And if I'm grounded in Scripture, then, then I, have the, I, I, I know how to make decisions based on right priorities, right values, the right purpose in life, the understanding of what God's trying to do in this world and in my life and with my resources and with me. I, I don't need to find a verse. God's Word shapes all of that in us. Just, just ground yourself in His Word. And his word will do its work. Several years ago, several years ago, Billy Graham preached a sermon on the three temptations of Jesus. And I was really intrigued by it because in his sermon, he pictured it like a boxing match between Jesus and Satan. And he even got really graphic. Jesus is in his corner and Satan's over in his corner and they ring the bell and come out for the first round. And he really got into it. And each of the three temptations was like three rounds of a boxing match. And in the end, the point that he makes is that Jesus used the scripture to knock out the devil. Well, you can't knock him out if you are not grounded in his truth and in his word. And you, you want to be a new you in 2019? Get in the old word of God and it will make you new. So brothers and sisters, we're in a spiritual battle. You say, I don't have time. Really? The average American, listen, the average American spends just under two hours a day on social media. The average American spends three and a half to four hours a day watching television. Don't tell me we don't have time. Turn your phone off for 30 minutes. Put your tablet and your laptop away for 30 minutes and see what you got. Don't you think Satan is smart enough to know that if he can keep you distracted with all this stuff, you will never make time for God and you'll always be spiritually weak and defeated because of it? Then take charge of your life, brothers and sisters, and stop making excuses and say, I'm going to be a new me in 2019 because the only person, the only person who can take control and make time for the Word of God in your life is you. 